You're listening to the Bible Chunks Read-Through Podcast in association with the Limadine Bible Reading Plan and Charles River Church. To have your own copy of this reading plan sent straight to your inbox, you can sign up at charlesriver.lmd.church. For more information about Charles River Church, visit charlesriverchurch.com. We read the whole story to make whole disciples of Jesus. Welcome to Bible Chunks, where we read through the Bible in the chunks, or sections based on themes that it was designed to be read in, so we can get a better handle on the story of God. My name's Kevin. That's enough about me. Let's dive into the Word. Today we'll be reading Mark 11, 1 through 13, 37. 113 verses today. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you. And immediately, as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David! Hosanna in the highest! And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. On the following day, when he came from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And the disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, it is, not, is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for the nations? But you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it, and they were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him, because all the crowd were astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to them, Rabbi, look! The fig tree that you cursed has withered. And Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, so that your Father who also... So that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive your trespasses. And they came again to Jerusalem. And as he was walking in the temple, the chief priests and the scribes and the elders came to him. And they said to him, By what authority are you doing these things? Or who gave you this authority to do them? Jesus said to them, I'll ask you one question. Answer me, and I'll tell you by what authority I do these things. Was the baptism of John from heaven or from man? Answer me. And they discussed it with one another, saying, If we say from heaven, he'll say, Why then did you not believe him? But shall we say from man? 
They were afraid of the people, for they all held that John really was a prophet. So they answered Jesus, We don't know. And Jesus said to them, Neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a pit for the winepress and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get some, to get from them some fruit from the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent them another servant and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another and they killed him. And so with many others, some of them they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he sent him to them saying, they'll respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. What will the owner of the vineyard do? He'll come and destroy the tenants and give the vineyard to others. Have you not read this scripture? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they were seeking to arrest him, but feared the people, for they perceived that he had told the parable against them. So they left him and went away. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and some of the Herodians to trap him in his talk. And they came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you're true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you're not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, Why put me to the test? Bring me a denarius, and let me look at it. And they brought one. And he said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. And Sadducees came to him, who said that there is no resurrection. And they asked him a question, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no child, the man must take the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. There were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and when he died, left no offspring. Then the second took her and died, leaving no offspring. And the third, likewise, and the seven left no offspring. Last of all, the woman also died. In the resurrection, when they rise again, whose wife will she be? For the seven had her as a wife. Jesus said to them, Is this not the reason you are wrong? Because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven. And as for the dead being raised, have you not read in the book of Moses, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob? He's not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are quite wrong. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked, Which commandment's the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one, and there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. 
And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself and the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord. So how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogue and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They'll receive a greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and he said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contribute out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. And as he came out of the temple, one of the disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, You see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, See that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and they will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they'll deliver you over to councils, and you'll be beaten in synagogues, and you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you're to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you'll be hated by all for my namesake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. But when you see the abomination of desolation standing where he ought not to be, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down, nor enter his house to take anything out. Let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant, and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that it may not happen in winter, for in those days there will be such tribulation as has not been from the beginning of creation that God created until now, and never will be. And if the Lord had not cut short the days, no human being could be saved. But for the sake of the elect whom he chose, he shortened the days. And then if anyone says to you, Look, here's the Christ, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead people astray, even if possible the elect. But be on guard. I've told you all things beforehand. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken, and then 
They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels, gathers elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near, at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to you all, stay awake. Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. We're in the last week of his life. His ministry is coming to an end as he is about to die a brutal death on a cross. But he has more work to do. And as he's in Jerusalem, he's teaching. And we see that he gets there. He cleanses the temple. But before he even cleanses the temple, he curses the fig tree. And the fig tree, he curses the fig tree. Then he goes and cleanses the temple. Then comes back and the fig tree is withered. And the lesson that he hears is that whatever uh, you ask for in prayer, you believe that you've already received it and it'll be yours. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. So he's teaching his disciples, even in the last week of his life, the importance of belief, the importance of prayer, the importance of the faith that, uh, that, that is available to them, the taking God at his word. He is being comforted, I'm sure, in the Holy Spirit, knowing that he is obeying God's will and he knows that he can ask whatever he wants from, from God and he's coming to a garden where he's about to ask that God would take his cup away from him and, and he's the answer to that prayer is going to be no. There is no other way for humanity to be restored. And so you have the lesson from the fig tree, but then just like we had in Matthew, as Jesus is in Jerusalem, he is being confronted by the, the groups of people in power, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And, and Jesus reveals that they don't know what they're talking about. He reveals that, they, especially with the Sadducees, it becomes really obvious. They, they concoct this, this crazy logic experiment and Jesus, his answer regarding uh, whose wife this, this woman would be if all of the husbands die without leaving her. So, a, a child. And so they concoct this wild scheme to prove that their point is right, that there is no resurrection. And then Jesus just is almost disappointed with them, just saying, like, you're, you're quite wrong. You're, you're so off, you're, you're not even playing the right sport kind of one of those things like you showed up to a basketball game with a baseball man like you're you're quite wrong and so he shows them you you just don't understand the scriptures or the the power of god 
your your human reason, your your intellect is getting in your way. You're, it's causing you to stumble over your own feet. And so, and then I love that one of the scribes comes up and asks Jesus the greatest commandment, and and they agree on everything. And Jesus, his response is, "You're not far away from the kingdom of God." I I just I love that. So it's not it's not that Jesus is going against all of the people in the powers uh, in in authority. It is that he is going against those structures and and those authorities, the traditions that have been established, the 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 things that would keep lumping heavy burdens on people when when God is generous and gracious and wants to have that relationship. And so it's not that he's against each individual person. He's against the system. And he's coming to remove that system, to replace that system, and to fulfill that system because it's a system that none of us can can fulfill on our own. And so he fulfills it for us and keeps himself completely clean. And then he talks about what's going to happen at the end of the age. Now, like we talked about a little bit in Matthew, I'll say similar here. Uh, we, we see that uh, there is a partial fulfillment of Jesus's command. He says, otherwise, uh, we're in big trouble because he says that, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And if we want to take God at his word, we want to believe that Jesus uh, said what he said and that this is still in the Bible on purpose. Like this would be a really easy thing for some scribe 200 years later to be like, well, Jesus didn't come back yet. So maybe we just take this line out, but it's still there. And I think that's because historically we, we, we can believe that partially this has already been fulfilled in the sacking of Rome when Jesus came and, and or in power, God judged the, the, the Jewish system tearing down the temple gave them 40 years to repent and and they didn't and so he says when you know when you see all of these signs all of these things judgment is coming get out of jerusalem get out of judea and the church listened to that and they did they did what jesus told them to do and they were saved and so it is a foretaste of the final judgment when jesus does in in power comes and and removes all evil and all sources of wickedness from earth and restores and renews the creation, but that's part of it. And there's also a really interesting dynamic here where the Son doesn't even know the day or the hour, only the Father. So we believe that God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one God, co-eternal, co-equal, completely God, triune God, but they have distinct roles. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and all the way around, but they are one God. It's a mystery, and this is part of that mystery. The Father, part of his role, the Father does not redeem the world from its sin. That's the Son. The, the Son does not enliven people's hearts. That's the Holy Spirit. And so uh, part of what the Father's role is, is knowing when the Son will return, knowing the day and the hour. That's not for the Son to know. Uh, but anyway, as we as we wrap up today, I'd ask you to consider what does this section of scripture tell us about who God is and what he's like, what he wants for the world? What does this section of scripture tell you about yourself? And then finally, what was it that the Holy Spirit was stirring up while we were reading? Take those thoughts, turn them into prayers, and we'll be right here again tomorrow. Until then, God bless.